0: Would you take your Bibles, please, and turn to the ninth chapter of the book of Danville? We'll just ride that horse till she falls over, okay? And did we have any of these little uh, poppies left over back in the back? If we do, we'll try to have them back there at the end of the service and you can get one. uh, In keeping with Memorial Day. And it used to be something that uh, we saw quite a bit of years ago. Uh, if you have your book, those of you who bought one of these books to go along with this study, the the author says Daniel's 70 weeks prophecy given in Daniel number 9, chapter 9, is extremely important to a clear understanding of Bible prophecy. And it is. It's probably the hinge on which the whole thing swings, and you have to understand that. In this prophecy, we can see that God has not replaced Israel with the church. And some people teach that, and that is erroneous teaching, because that just simply isn't true. Israel is where Israel has always been, the apple of God's eye. But in times of disobedience, they would be placed on a shelf, but they would not be replaced with some other entity. The, the, the chosen people of God, Israel, are in perfect working order today. As of 1948, when they became a nation again, they have been growing in strength, and it is a very productive nation. The tragedy is they spend upwards of 60% of all their money on defense to defend them against the, uh, the attacks just over the hill, actually. And that makes for a very desperate and strained economic condition. But Israel is doing fine other than that. And it is where it has always been, the apple of God's eye. We are not God's chosen people. We are the bride of Christ. It's a different thing. And uh, both are important to God, extremely important. But you have to understand the difference in the two and Israel has for all intents and purposes been placed on the back burner since the day we call Palm Sunday when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the donkey and they had an opportunity to make him king if they really wanted to to repent of their sins but they wanted a military leader someone to lead them out of the, the, the clutches of Roman domination they did not see themselves as needing any spiritual help. They needed military help. And they figured anybody that can feed 5,000 people with a little boy's lunch consisting of five loaves and two little fish, he can work other magic too. Any person who can bring a man from the dead after having been put in the incarcerated in a tomb for four days, now with decomposition surely taking place. Anybody who can do that kind of magic can lead us out from under the clutches of Rome. But Jesus did not come to this planet in his first advent to deliver Israel from its aggressor. He came to deliver them from their sins and they rejected him. So they were literally placed on the back burner. They've been there for the last 2,000 years plus. And we, according to St. Paul, who was a Jew, we come along and we are allowed into the kingdom, we are others who are grafted into that tree. We are other sheep of another, of another fold that they didn't know anything about. Gentiles actually being given the gospel beginning at Jerusalem where all of the preaching took place on Pentecost, and then it was taken to Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. We're part of that big family, and St. Paul says we are to cause Israel to be envious because of how the power and the blessing of God abides on us. And the rabbi and I talked about that a little, and he doesn't deny that. He's still uh, an orthodox rabbi. He's, he's going to stay with that. I think he's closer to the kingdom than he realizes he is, but that's his, that's his business, and I'm going to be what I am. And... Uh, we're planning uh, the, the, the 25th anniversary of the International Federation uh, Fellowship of, Je- of Christians and Jews will take place in Chicago. And I've been asked to come and speak to a group of uh, contributors at a breakfast one morning. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm taking a train to get up there. <laughs> or I'm on thumb, but I'm not going to fly, I don't think. At any rate, the understanding this is very, very important. And God is holding His people... On on pause, if you please, until that time. Now, in the first 69 weeks of the prophecy, the focal point is the nation of Israel. And in the 70th week, guess what? The focal point is, again, Israel. And at that point, in the 70th week, in the latter part of the week, which is really seven years, they will repent, but not until then. And so Daniel describes it for us, and I'm going to read a little bit more than maybe uh, is necessary, but it'll do us all good probably. Beginning in verse number uh, 20 uh, in this chapter, chapter number 9, Daniel points out a number of things that are are of interest uh, about the whole situation and how he got this vision and got this uh, prophecy. And we see the coming messenger, first of all, In verse number 20, he says, And whilst I was uh, speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God, yes, whilst I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, he touched me. About the time of the evening oblation. Now, first of all, we we see this coming messenger that is is bringing him this insight, and Daniel has seen this spirit before, which is none other than an angelic figure, uh, one of the uh, special angels that God uses. Gabriel, by the way, is the one who who is allowed to bring a lot of important messages to planet Earth, uh, especially around the. A conception and later the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ and here he appears to Daniel and it's very interesting that he says uh, uh, what he does but those that surround God's throne are described as ministering spirits now this is not what our study is about tonight but it's in our text and I just want to throw this out for you every Christian has at least two angels that are ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who are the heirs of salvation You say, well, how do you know we have at least two? We can't have spirits, plural, unless there's at least two, so you have at least two. Maybe more than that. Depends on how you drive. You might have more than that. And so do your babies. God's looking out for your babies. You've seen a lot of pictures that artists painted with a little child right to the edge of the the drop-off here and a guardian angel behind the child to make sure in the picture. That's probably not far from the truth. And it's a wonderful thing that we have so many things going on. Our We complain about everything. If we really knew what all we had in our uh, benefit column, we'd jump up and down. We'd just shout and praise God for all the things he gives us and all the things he does for us. So this ministering spirit came to Daniel when at the time of the evening oblation. When was that? The evening oblation was at 3 o'clock, the time that Jesus died. What's Daniel doing? He's praying for his sins and the sins of the nation. Now that last part puts him in a type of Jesus Christ as he's praying, God have mercy on this nation. I don't know if you've ever thought about this or not, but adding that to your prayer list, yet you pray not only for the needs you have and whatever needs you have spiritually, whatever needs your family has, but also to pray for this wicked nation we call the United States of America. Ours is a putrid nation that loves sin, filth, garbage. It has a sweet tooth for garbage and would rather have that I mean can't sell a pair of shoestrings without cleavage That's how sick we are you say hey what's wrong with that nothing other than you're defiling people when you do that and it's demeaning to decent women demeaning so he is praying for his nation and the angel appears to him now there's a little bit of perplexity here in verse 22. He, and he informed me and talked with me and said, Oh, Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. Now, the perplexity is that what he is about to learn cannot be learned in the university or in a school. When you get your message straight from Gabriel, you got stuff. <laughs> you got to scoop before anybody else gets it. So then we see Daniel's prayer in verse 23. It says, and at the beginning of thy supplications and the commandment came forth, and I am come to thee to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved, therefore understand the matter and consider the vision. I don't know about you, but I think it was probably a great uh, encouragement to Daniel to hear the angel Gabriel say to him, you are loved. Where I come from, you are loved. Well, you know where he came from, he came from heaven. And so then we see the content of the message beginning in verse 24. And this is normally where we hop in to understand the 70 weeks. Here it is, Daniel. 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon the holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of the sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy. And anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to the restore and build uh, Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince, shall be seven weeks. Now remember, these are weeks of years. When it says seven weeks, it means actually how long? Seven years, exactly. That's what he is saying here. He says, until then, seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. Uh, The street shall be built again, and the wall, even in uh, turbulent times. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a a flood, and unto the end of the war desolations are determined. Verse 27, And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, seven years. And in the middle, three and a half years, of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate even until the consummation. And that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Now that's the vision that he was given by this this angel. He speaks of three different periods, and he uses uh, increments of seven to explain all of this and to get you and me in a better position to understand it. uh, Let me, first of all, go back up to verse number 24 and uh, look at the things that were going to be accomplished here. He says, it's determined upon thy people and upon the holy city to do the following. First of all, he said, to finish the transgression. Now, what is the transgression? Well, people are not altogether in agreement on this, but you have to understand, first of all, why did God allow His people to go to Babylon to begin with? Why did He allow them to be captured and taken away? Always, it was because of their insincerity and their indifference toward His law and toward Him. God would bail His people out of a mess and then they would thank Him and praise Him for a moment, and then they would go right back into their lethargic attitude. They wouldn't give praise to the Lord. They wouldn't honor Him as God. And what God would do then is what God does now to Gentiles, to Christians like you and me. When you and I become indifferent toward God, we don't want to read His Word. We don't want to have devotions. We don't want to pray. We don't go through the disciplines. We, we just pretty, you know, much, we're Christians in name only God does now what he did then. He backs off and says, you're on your own. Doesn't mean you're lost. He doesn't take your salvation, but he says, you're on your own for these day-to-day things you're trying to deal with. And buddy, that can bury you. You need his help on the little things so they don't get to be big things. And so, what have these people done? Well, for one thing, they had refused to keep these sabbatical years. Every seven years, they were to let the land lie and just let it be still. Do not cultivate it. Do not work it. Let it rejuvenate itself. And there was a twofold reason for that. One, because I said so, God said. I told you to. You don't understand it maybe, but the land needs a rest. It will produce better for the next six years if you'll let the seventh year rest. Just let it rest. And number two, the leftovers in the, in the fence corners, I call them, and the things that will naturally come up on their own during the seventh year that are residual seeds and seedlings, things that were left, that's the welfare program. That's for the poor folks. They need it. That's what we do for them. Well, they didn't want to do that anymore. They said, hey, we can get a good yield on the seventh year. We're losing money here. What is it always? Money. That's always the issue. For the love of money is the root of all evil, see, which while some coveted after have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. 1 Timothy 6.10. And so the transgression, he said, you're going to go down to Babylon and you're going to stay there 70 years for the 770 years or the seven years that you, uh, that seventh year that you've denied me, you're going to pay back all of them down there as a prisoner. And then I'll bring you home. You can come home after that. And that's what God always does. Now, they didn't cease to be his people. They didn't cease to be his chosen people. But they're going to pay it back until, as he says here, to finish the transgression. You're going to pay it all off. Number two, to make an end of sins. You say, well, was that part of it too? Yeah, they, they didn't like Babylon at all. And they got spiritual in a hurry when they got in, into that neighborhood. And you know what? We talked about that in one of our sessions with our Jamaican friends down there. We don't learn anything during good times. We don't learn anything. We just like good times. We learn our best lessons uphill when we struggle. I mean, that's when we learn. I don't know if you heard or you read this in any of Chuck Swindoll's books but he's an excellent author as well as a marvelous speaker In one of his books he talks about this uh, uh, business in in Southern California that had wanted to uh, import uh, New England cod fish to the west coast and uh, it was considered to be a a good investment and a good uh, kind of fish that people enjoy, I, I do myself. Except if you go to Long John's and it's got five million calories of tons of grease on it and everything. You can't taste the fish. It is good, though, isn't it? It's fun to sin once in a while, isn't it? Yeah Yeah. Uh, they were transporting it all the way from New England to the Southern California, and by the time it got there, it lost its taste. It was lifeless. It was no good. Uh, and it was a big uh, disappointment for the people that invested in it. So then they thought well we'll freeze the codfish and bring the codfish out and that wasn't any better because when they thawed them out they were still flaky and and just not good and and not at all like you'd expect. So then someone came up with the idea and they figured out what was the natural predator for the codfish and it was another fish of course and so in this huge tanker they put that predator in there with the codfish not many just enough to chase those codfish around that tank all the way from New England to Southern California And when they got there They were fresh, lively, and well-built, and and much to be desired. Why? Because we do better when 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 we are absolutely dependent, running for our life, and trusting God to help us. He likes for us to be dependent on Him. And so, the second thing they were to have here was an end of sin, and they did. They got their hearts right. They went back to some of the basic things. And then number three, to make an atonement for iniquity. The word iniquity is the word for self-law. When we commit iniquity, it's when we do our thing. We don't care what God's Word says. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do what I want to do. You know, everybody believes something different. There's a lot of Bibles out there. I'm going to do what I want to do. That's iniquity. Uh, the, The prophet Isaiah said of Jesus, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And so these people are confessing their iniquities. They're, they're getting along with God, saying, God, we are where we deserve to be. Forgive us. And if you can, take us home to our homeland. And then number four in this verse, verse 24, the angel says they, would, uh, they were going to see an end to br- or to bring in everlasting righteousness that hasn't happened yet but it's getting closer you with your support just a few years back you helped to bring people back from Siberia where they were likely to freeze to death disparaged Jews that were just kicked out into the cold their names are on those manifests that are right outside that door on the wall and they now want to go home to Israel Jews are going back home to Israel. There is a regathering. And that is why the, uh, that movement, by the way, with the fellowship of Christians and Jews is called On Wings of Eagles, because the Scripture predicted that they would go home on wings of eagles, and they want to go back now. So there is an attitude of righteousness. They're not there yet, but it's coming. And then number five, to seal up the vision and the prophecy. And of course, that's being done that with uh, Daniel here. And number six, to anoint the most holy place there is no holy place in Israel today except the western wall the western wall the wailing wall is the only part of the temple proper that is remaining and if you ever go there women will pray on this side men will pray on this side and you are free to go pray if you want to pray they don't mind but the very orthodox Jews are there and they're moving their whole body as they pray just as uh, the scripture indicates and they put little prayers in between the cracks of those huge stones and uh, they have no holy place but they will they will one day and so these are the things these seventy weeks were to accomplish and uh, actually weeks of years a total of four hundred ninety years and so as we look at this we figure out uh, uh... the specifics of it take your book and let's let's give a quick run at that and see if we can answer some of the questions that are in here before i conclude tonight um, I'll read this again. This is repetitious, but let me do it again. Daniel nine twenty seven describes for us the events of the 70th week. He shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, seven years, and in the middle, three and a half years, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to stop. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured out upon the desolate now in in second Thessalonians if you want to turn there you may or if you've got your little book here you can just read off of this in second Thessalonians chapter two verses three and four we read that the abomination of desolation will be committed by that man of sin Now, who is the man of sin? who? somebody said the Democrats no no you're close. But that's not it. It's, it will be the Antichrist. Somebody's going to step up to the plate, all mo- maybe even before we leave here, if not the moment we disappear from planet Earth in the same press uh, statement, the same press release that will be released worldwide to explain, you got to, ex- when a several millions of people disappear, you've got to account for that. And especially when they all seem to have one thing in common. They believed in Jesus, Amen. irrespective of their political uh, persuasion, their, their economic standing, the color of their skin. That has nothing to do with it. We believe in Jesus, and we're one in Christ Jesus, and they're gone. Somebody's going to have to step up to a microphone somewhere. Maybe that, that flimsy, uh, sad United Nations building. Maybe somebody will get up there and make a speech or something. But uh, it'll be the best one they've ever made. The Christians are gone, you know. But... When they do that, I think in the same announcement, they will present the person who will be leading the world coalition to try to to get over this and to move on with progress and, and into the future. It'll be the Antichrist. And he will be slick. Now, he's described as a he, so I don't think it's a she. I think it's a he. And exactly where he comes from, I don't know some people says he has to be Jewish we used to think it was Henry Kissinger you know, and that, that didn't work out so it's not him but my, my, my statement is simply this he's going to be pretty persuasive or he would never get the Jews to buy into it because they've been bombed about as much as they want to be bombed and they're not in a habit of, of going into a peace treaty with anybody but they will because There'll be a reason for it, but he will be good. The man of sin. And he's also called the son of perdition. Now, do you know of any other place in the New Testament where someone was called the son of perdition? Anybody? It's worth 50 bucks. Do you know? Who? (laughs) Isaac, the the Jew over here, said, Judas, Judas, 50 bucks, Pop. Yeah that's exactly what they called him the son of perdition he went to his place and we believe he went to hell or whatever but some people believe that that is a mild case for the reincarnation of Judas Iscariot who will come back he is the son of perdition he was taken over completely by the devil when he betrayed the Lord and they believe he will be the Antichrist reborn rejuvenated and a brand new package and back as bigger than life you know so I don't know but I tell you this I won't be here I hope you won't be here either now this is the Antichrist because we know that each week in Daniel's prophecy refers to a week of years or seven years we know that in the middle of the seven-year period the Antichrist is gonna desecrate the temple in other words everything's been going fine for three and a half years there's been peace worldwide the cleanup of whatever aftermath of the Christians disappearing has caused and uh, the first part of the, uh, the tribulation period, by comparison to the second part, is relatively mild. And then all of a sudden, they had, the, they had the temple going. They had sacrifice. They had all this going. And then the Antichrist says, no, the deal's off. I'm breaking the agreement. And he goes into the temple. And there he presents himself as God. Isn't that what he's always wanted? Didn't he say to Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, if you will just worship me for a few moments, I will give you all the glory and the splendor of this world. And Jesus said, it is written, you shall worship the Lord thy God only and him shall thou serve. So that's what he's after. Now, uh, this is going to take place and this is still a future event that will take place during the seven-year tribulation. Now, uh, if you will consider with me some of the questions. Let's look at your questions that you uh, had to deal with coming into tonight's study. On page number 108, what event in 444 B.C. indicates the beginning of the seven weeks of Daniel? We got. Can we put the um, thing up here? Okay. And some of this is hard to see. There we go. Okay. Because we've got this deal here. If y'all could lie down on a pew, maybe you could see this. But but uh, this uh, this was would be the 444 B.C. is that one right there, and it was uh, a decree that was put forth by Artaxerxes that uh, the the rebuilding of the walls at Jerusalem should now commence. Isn't it interesting that God, to to carry out His own purpose, He can even touch the heart of a pagan, powerful leader. Who will, who will wake up one morning and say, you know, I think I'll talk to the Jewish leaders and let them go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the wall around Jerusalem, the, the, the one that some of these people broke down in order to get in and get these people. But see, God does that way. The heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord, and he just moves it whichever way he wants to move it. Don't ever uh, fail to pray for political leaders because you think they're so far out that they they can't be reached and I would encourage you and I say this honestly and seriously that you pray for Senator Kennedy Senator Kennedy may meet his maker sometime soon you pray that he'll have the wisdom to trust somebody and let somebody close enough to him tell him I know Dr. Falwell witnessed to him they became friends the Falwell's ate at his house he and his wife ate at the Falwell's house and you don't get that close to Jerry without hearing the gospel of Jesus. You're going to hear, you're going to hear the story. So just pray for him, you know, because we know he's a liberal and we don't like most of what he does, but uh, God loves him. Remember, your savior loves him. And so we love people he loves. So what happened? The decree went forth to, to, to the Jews to restore and rebuild Jer- Jerusalem. Second question, what event in 396 B.C. marks the completion of the first seven weeks of the 70-week prophecy? Uh, it was rebuilt and completed in seven years. Number, uh, number three, what event in 33, uh, A.D. 33 marks the completion of the first uh, 69 weeks of Daniel's 70 a week? In other words, all but one week is complete now. What was it? The Messiah was cut off. They rejected him as uh, the day, we call the day of um, uh, the um, Palm Sunday. And they rejected uh, his, his uh, claim there. Uh, people that four days earlier had said uh, those uh, that that he the Lord he is God Hosanna save now four days later they will say away with him crucify him and it was a sad situation all right the next question in the center of the chart is what's labeled uh, the uh, parenthetical period what does the chart tell us about this period in relation to the Jewish nation What age is this parenthetical period known as? Any of you want to take a shot at that? You know what it is, don't you? The Jews knew nothing about it. Daniel knew nothing about it. And uh, if you think about it, it's that chunk right there that's gone on for over two millennium because the prophets couldn't see that. They could see the mountain peaks, but they couldn't see what was just behind the mountain, which is a 2,000-year period here with um, the church age. Uh, Next question. What event marks the beginning of the 70th week? Uh, the covenant is signed. That will take place, I believe, the day we leave, along with all this other stuff. And then the next question is, what event at the end of the 70th week, uh, let's see, look near the top of the chart along the vertical line that marks the completion of the seventh week. It is the abomination of, of desolation. Uh, that it's, it's all over at this point. And then... Uh, the second coming of Christ will put it all to, to bed. It'll all be over. That's Revelation chapter 19 when we gather with him and we're on our way back. Now this, this is a good chart, but it's a little bit busy. I mean, you've got to, especially this part you have to stand on your head to read. But um, you notice there are four temples. Solomon's, the uh, Herod's temple, Herodian temple there is over here the tribulation temple that will be rebuilt will they rebuild it absolutely will they have an ark of the covenant you'll have to ask indiana jones we don't know god knows where it is we don't know where it is and then last of all we find the fourth the messianic temple that will be for the for the new jerusalem so these are interesting things and they're certainly interesting days when you think about all that's going on the main thing about prophecy is this that you make sure you're ready to leave. That you know, that you know, that you know Christ is your personal Savior. And then that you try to help other people come to saving faith in Christ. And this is the greatest time ever because people are so frustrated and fed up. They think the end of the world is coming. Some conservatives think this, that the end of the world is coming with this presidential election. Nah. Might not, might not be like you want it. The end of the world is not coming until God says so. And we know we've got at least seven more years. But you make sure, and then share the gospel with your friends. Tell them about some of this stuff. Scare them to death. Bob Harrington's going to tell you in a few weeks. Scare the hell out of them. And then have heaven, see? That's the alternative. Bob's going to be with us on the morning of the 22nd. You bring all your friends that don't know Christ. And Bob, Bob is 80, and he's just sounding stronger than I've heard him in years. It's going to be a great service. Let's stand for a word of prayer, shall we?